it's important to let your passions take a place of importance in your life. If you are passionate about an activity and something that you're good at, then you should try your best to let that continue through your life. Take a small step towards something you want. Urban Jungle brings stories from people around the globe that design and build a better world. I am Magda Flores and this is Urban Jungle. Welcome. Did you know that where we live and how we interact affects our well-being? Yet, when we talk about well-being, we tend to talk about me. Well-being is about we, the community and the environment we live in. It is time to shift the paradigm from me to we. Check out the Urban Wellbeing Training courses developed in partnership with the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management at www.siwem.org. This is an interview with Lorraine Gauntlet. Lorraine is a singer, a writer and a communications consultant. And today we will talk about how singing can support your well-being. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, Michael. How are you? Very well, thank you. As you know, I start by asking if you can share a place you like to visit near where you live. Yes, indeed. I like to visit the top of Rygate Hill. I will walk across probably about about 20 minute walk, a regular place that I like to walk across to. There's a bench somewhere towards the end of that stretch where I'll sit and I'll think about big questions I might have. But also, invariably, I'll get ideas for new songs, whether it's melodies or lyrics or stories that might warrant turning into a song. Because I think songs are stories, right? Totally. You are both a writer and a communications consultant. Tell me a little bit about your background, please. I trained as a journalist, worked in local newspapers in North London, where I grew up. In fact, I worked. my first job was on the newspaper, which announced my birth, my wedding, the whole bit. So <laughs> um, it was very much my own local paper. I went into business communications fairly swiftly afterwards and used my journalism skills to work in what was quite a new field then, creating messages that were relevant for workforces, helping. And my thing in that industry has always been to try and help different audiences understand each other so that everyone can understand their purpose and work together well to create a positive outcome at work. So from that, how did you realize that you wanted to move into a different setting, more into the singing side of things? Because the singing started first, I was the most annoying toddler running around singing all the time and being told not to sing at the table and not to sing all over the place when people were trying to watch TV or whatever. So singing was the thing, actually. I could look back and say it's the thing I should have done, but I don't know. When I grew up in the, you know, I was born in the early 60s, I grew up in the 70s, you know, the music industry was a whole different ball game. There weren't lots of live venues that were interested in putting on local acts as there are today. And there certainly wasn't the, um, the social media or the digital world to explore with uh, making music. So It was about getting your education in my family. It was about doing well and succeeding and getting a good job and having a good career and 
having a business, all of which I've done alongside raising quite a few sons, which I'm delighted. My proudest, my proudest achievement, I think. <laughs> um, however, singing was always there. I sang in choirs at school. One teacher told me I shouldn't sing because I was too loud. So she asked me quiet. Oh. And um, then I sang in madrigal choirs and senior choirs. I did classical. I learned how to sight read and sing music because um, I can't play an instrument. My music teacher wanted me to play the flute so that I could learn to sight read. Uh, I was terrible at flute. <laughs> right. <laughs> However, it did help a little with uh, learning to sight read. So I ended up, you know, singing Mozart and various other things. Lots of choral music, particularly at school. And then when I left school and went into my career at uni, obviously I, I studied for a while in journalism. I kind of lost, lost touch with my music a little bit in terms of making it. I was always absolutely avid music fan, incredibly eclectic taste, everything from classical way across to some, you know, rock. Um, in On the way, my absolute love is soul, funk and jazz. Didn't know how much I loved jazz until probably in the last 10 years. But my father was a huge influence on my, my love of jazz. He brought us up with his favourites from the Great American Songbook, his particular artist Nat Cole, fantastic jazz pianist Errol Gardner, George Shearing, the most amazing music of Ella Fitzgerald, obviously, and all of the greats you can imagine. He loved Dean Martin, which is a bit more swing. He loved Elvis. We had a lot of country played to us, a lot of the Carpenters as the 70s, you know, moved on. So I had a really kind of eclectic musical influence as a child. Jazz was the thing. And I didn't realise it. I don't think it was actually a foundation for me. So I'm very fortunate to have had that. And going through my business career, it kind of took a back burner. You know, listening to music, going to concerts, that was what I did. For the next, I suppose, 20, 20 odd years, it was definitely on the back burner that I sang. I sang around the house. I sang to the children. The children and I sang in the car all the time. The children were great singers. Both of my first two birth children, I've got five boys. When my two birth children were younger, they used to sing all the time in the car. And then my youngest son is actually a really good singer, Charlie. Fantastic. So, you know, it's obviously something that we have going on in the family um, and a love of music. But I mean, for me, that time through my business career, having got married early in my early 20s, having a family, emigrating to Australia for six years with my first husband, having my second son over there. Music was something I dabbled in. I, people asked me to come and sing in church at their wedding. So I'd go and do a particular song, whether it was classical or popular. I might sing at someone's 40th wedding party, things like that. Only when people discovered that actually I, I did a bit of singing. So it wasn't like I, I had a regular um, involvement with my singing. Were you happy when you were in your career? I mean, because if you were so um, outgoing and, um, and loud, as your teacher told you when you were singing, then what happened to that? Was I happy? No, I probably wasn't on, on some level. I was very happy with a lot of other aspects of my life, but I wasn't happy, clearly, that um, this had taken a back step. But... As I got older into my 40s, I remarried, I obviously divorced the first husband, remarried, came back to the UK, had another child. Once he was about four, I started to think, mm, there's something here, I just need to sing more. Because I started to read more. I think it was um, 
there was a lot of publicity at the time in the noughties and the 2010s that choir singing became a really popular thing. I joined rock choir. So the Dorking branch of rock choir and the most fantastic choir leader, Sam Smith, who led that choir, had still leads that choir today, was a huge influence on me and, and a huge part of my getting confidence to get back on stage and get behind a mic. I had been in bands when I was in the sixth form and you know, 17 to 21, I used to go and sing at people's weddings and in a band. But um, that all, as I say, that took a a backward step once I had a family and a career. Uh, The reason I was asking if you were happy or not is because we know that when we sing, we release endorphins and that makes us smarter, healthier, happier and more creative. And if that was in your nature, basically that nature was being suppressed a little. It was. I didn't realise it, but it probably was. So I was always searching for something and always thinking, yeah, I like what I do. It is giving me a living. I enjoy it. I am very passionate about my work, my corporate work. And I feel that I've had some fantastic experiences, met some wonderful people. But yeah, there's always been a part of me that's perhaps left unfulfilled. So I think this period in my life, late 40s, when I joined a choir, then I got an opportunity to sing solos. And then gradually that morphed into joining a band. I've had the opportunities that have come in the last five to 10 years have been absolutely incredible. Mostly local, but some, you know, further afield. So I'm in a jazz trio called Red Dreamers Jazz, which was, again, um, a neighbour of mine who no longer lives in in Rygate, but has moved away. But we're very active as a a band and another neighbour in Nutfield. Uh, who plays the flute. So we're a guitar, flute and vocal trio. Then I now play regularly at The Hatch, as you know, in Rygate, with various artists that I'd like to try and showcase local artists with the jazz, because there is such a huge amount of talent up there. And some are professional, some are semi-professional. What a privilege it is to play with so many of them. So, So that's what I do now. As I say, I'm in a funk band as well, and a rock and pop band. Um, we do various functions. So in terms of well-being, as you mentioned earlier, yes, I think we all start singing to some degree when we're young children at school, perhaps. And I told you that, you know, I was told by a teacher. So there's that voice in your head. Oh, am I too loud? Am I too much? Makes you think, you know, that perhaps you ought to tone yourself down. Mm, Very bad voices. They need to be that's one of the things I've learned actually I was going to say to you later that one of the things I've learned is you don't listen to those voices you must listen to your heart and your soul and your your true purpose will come but um and that sounds a little lofty about you know that is what I believe my friend who has told me that she was told not to sing so she's in the choir she loves singing she's probably three rows down from me at secondary school We're in the junior choir. We're singing Joseph, Any Dream Will Do. Fantastic. Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, you know, touched my heart. But that particular song, Any Dream Will Do, is actually really meaningful to me because we sang it as children right the way through to teenagers. This girl has told me only in our late 50s, my friend was told not to sing because she couldn't sing. And I thought now learning that as an older person to hear that my friend who I always thought was enjoying choir as much as me had been told to just mouth the words not actually sing it's terrifying terrible and makes me angry 
because I think we should all be allowed to express that if that's the way we want to express. So I think children get told things when they're young. I was told I was no good at maths. I am good at maths, but it stuck with me. So what happens with tone deaf people? Because I was the child. I was like your friend. I remember my music teacher at school. She sat me next to the piano for months. And then eventually she gave up and just said, just Magda, just sit there somewhere. <laughs> and later on in life, um, someone very close to me also said, please don't sing. <laughs> so how do people that perhaps are not so well tuned could express themselves? Should they only sing in the shower? Um, I would say that if you don't feel that what you're singing is being appreciated for any reason, you should never let it stop you from singing if you want to sing. Yes, sing in the shower. Yes, sing in the car. Yes, go for the walk across the hill and sing at the top of your voice if it is what gives you pleasure. If it's not, and if you're listening to it and you're thinking, oh, I don't like that and I'm not enjoying that, then don't do it. But if it's something you want, go for it. I'm pleased you say that because I would close the windows in the car and just sing. I feel very reinvigorated. Actually, that has been the right thing to do. Good, good. It helps your mood because of the endorphins. It supports your immune system, it can lower your blood pressure. It can reduce feelings of chronic pain. GPs in England are now starting to prescribe singing for a range of conditions. So the data is there. There is evidence that as an activity, humans benefit from sharing their voice. It may be it isn't singing. Maybe it is speaking and speaking your truth. What's wrong with reciting? I mean, there's a huge history of people reciting, sharing poetry, sharing stories. Storytelling itself, right, is a, a long-held art, goes back through centuries, millennia even. There's a book by Clarissa Pincola Estes, Women Who Run With The Wolves. It's fueled human connection, sharing stories through families, through society, through communities. And that is speaking out loud. So maybe this is about voicing what is inside, whether that's through singing or speaking or reciting. I think that is the key here. So it's not about tone, deafness or you know, whether you can or can't sing, it is about sharing your voice. Oh, very nice. And taking it in the opposite direction, what happens to the local community? Because I've been in places where you sing and I can see people smile and clap. And that is a level of participation. How do you feel about that? That is the most lovely thing when people are enjoying it. It is gorgeous when people come up to you and say that they've enjoyed it. But actually to see them enjoying it is, is something I love, to feel that their music's connecting with them. And I'm so privileged to play with the talented musicians that I do, all of them. You know, as I said, some are professional, some are self-taught, some are semi-professional, some even would call themselves amateurs. But our music comes together and gives people that pleasure. That is just amazing. However, when we rehearse in my kitchen <laughs> or in a small rehearsal room somewhere in the back of Dartford, uh -huh. I have been known to drive to the most dreadful places. <laughs> we'll say singing, but again, to my point earlier, it's about sharing voices. People that share their voices, whether in conversation, 
or whether singing together, these things can boost your mental health. The data says that singing together, and as I believe it, vocalizing together, whether that's conversation, sharing discussion, that's a human need. And the data says singing can help people with mental health conditions. There are studies involving women with postnatal depression. Women participating in singing programs reduce their symptoms by 40% in just a few weeks. Oh, wow. Now, you could say that, as we all know, having been young mums or mums of young children, getting some time to yourself in itself can be uplifting, can be rejuvenating. Postnatal depression is a real condition. It is a real serious mental health condition. But I'm really encouraged to see that data um, personally, that something like singing can help so much for some people. It can build our self-confidence. It reduces loneliness. It can impact your levels of anxiety. And as I said, it decreases blood pressure, muscle tension, decreases the heart rate, um, the activation of the reward pathways in the brain. And has even led to things like improvement in lung function for people with lung disease and even improvements in posture. So all of that depends on how you are coached in that area, I imagine. But I mean, I've had vocal coaching and to help me to improve my technique, because sometimes I feel like I've got a tired voice or, you know, um, some of the training I would have been given years ago. Maybe there's new discoveries about how to use your voice and the whole world of how to use my voice has become available to me now that I didn't know. So you can get help with developing how you sing, your technique. A good vocal coach is a really good place to start. In fact, it's something that's if you're a person who wants to sing and gets told that they're, you know, not to sing, it's probably quite a good place to go to have that conversation. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So there's a really lovely person locally called Nikki Franklin. She's a fantastic vocal coach and she has helped me tremendously. She's also an amazing jazzer. So she plays and sings and, and she joins me at the hatch sometimes. So Oh, even better. <laughs> even better. Um, apparently singing for just five minutes can have a positive effect. There we go. Something to do to make sure that we sing when we feel like it. And of course, not interfere with anybody else's work. Yeah, we shouldn't stop singing. I've noticed that you have two surnames. Would you like to tell me briefly how you dealt with that? When I married the first time, I became Lorraine Donald. At that time, I was very much in my corporate career. It was the time where I wasn't doing much singing beyond um, church and various occasions where people would ask me to sing for them. When I remarried and became Lorraine Gauntlet, that was the time when my singing became more important and a part of my life again and had the opportunity to do more singing. And then when I became, um, I had the opportunity to sing and perform, I obviously perform in my married name, which is Lorraine Gauntlet. So as a musician, I seem to have developed a separate persona, Lorraine Gauntlet. Very interesting. As a communications consultant, I still operate as Lorraine Donald. So it's quite interesting because there was a long period during my corporate career before I got back into singing where I, I thought, well, I just haven't got time. I can't give time to writing songs or going and being in rehearsals with bands and doing lots of things because I've just got to keep working. I've got to keep running my business. I've got my clients to look after. I love doing that my family obviously to take care of 
So I didn't allow myself that time to do more with my music. So it was almost a way of breaking out of that thinking pattern to give the music its time and use a different surname to do that. Wow. Are there three things that you would like to share with us, things that you have learned beyond the ones that you have already mentioned? One thing I learned was don't listen to those voices from maybe childhood or from others who tell you not to sing, tell you you can't sing, tell you you shouldn't sing. You don't need to listen to those voices if you have a passion for it and you wish to do so and you feel the benefit from it and it brings you joy, then you should sing. Whether privately, publicly, otherwise. Sing, let your voice out. Number two is... I believe that it's important to let your passions take a place of importance in your life. If you are passionate about an activity and something that you're good at, then you should try your best to let that continue through your life. I regret not spending more time making music. I spend a lot of time listening to music and I'm very lucky that I came through a particular period of musical history where there's been so much diversity and development and some amazing talent and I've been exposed to that those generations so I'm very lucky now there's an era of electronic music so you know some of it's derivative and I think it's a shame but there's also some amazing stuff going on and and very talented people so the second thing as I said is you know let your passion take an important place in your life and I think the third thing is take a small step towards something you want. I didn't know how to get back into singing, so I just went along to a taste the session for a choir. I took a small step and it's led me to a whole new career. So many, many congratulations on that. And what's next for Lorraine? What's next for me is making more music alongside my corporate career definitely making more music I'm writing songs with a few people very very talented people I've got the privilege to work with we've put a couple of songs out on Spotify with one of my songwriting partners and there are so many projects on that that happened mostly during lockdown actually um, I had lots of ideas I've got lots of stories that I've written into lyrics so I think that I want to focus on developing those and seeing what works and what doesn't. And it doesn't matter if they're not going to be massively successful and have millions of followers and I'm not looking to be a huge star. I just want to keep making my music and enjoying the pleasure of making that music with the others that I do that with. And then if people get joy from that, what a bonus. How amazing. How do we get in touch with you? My Facebook is Lorraine Donald Gauntlet. I'm on Instagram, Gauntlet Lorraine, and you can find me uh, playing at The Hatch in Red Hill, Rygate Borders, on the second Sunday of every month, 5pm to 7pm, playing jazz. I'll be at various other events that take place locally, private and public, and they're always advertised on my Facebook page or on my Instagram. This is Urban Jungle with your host, Magda Flores. Thanks for joining, and if there is a topic or people you would like to hear from, all you have to do is drop me a line. My email address is urbanwsolutions at gmail.com. Urban environments need your help. Be part of the solution. Check out our training courses on urban well-being, developed in partnership with SIWEM, the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management. 
at www.sciwem.org.